This is The View from the Gladys Street, a podcast by the fans, for the fans, as we go on the terraces to discuss all the big talking points at Everton Football Club. Hello and welcome to The View from the Gladys Street podcast, a podcast by the fans, for the fans. Today's show is split into two segments. The first, we will look back at the defeat of Manchester United. And the second, we will discuss the fans' feelings on Everton's latest stadium announcement. My guest today, we have Mark Crotty back on the show after a few weeks off. Hello, Mark. How are you doing? Evening, you right. One thing I've noticed about you, Mark, is that you've got a real striking resemblance to Marco Silva. Has anyone ever said that to you? I'll take that all day, though. Anyone think Mark looks a little bit like Marco Silva? Needs to lose a bit of weight to get to Paris. I can see it a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Mm, A little bit. Have you got a nice coat? I'll get one for the <laughs> yeah, one. Uh, My second guest is Lee Moulton, also back on the show after a few weeks off. Hello, Lee, you all right? Yeah, all right. And my third guest is the ever-present Rob Astle. Hello, Rob. Afternoon. Um, before we get into it, just a reminder to our listeners, you can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes and the Acast app. All you need to do is search Royal Blue. There you can rate, review and leave comments. Um, lads, where to begin? Where to begin indeed? Um, I think we'll get to the refereeing decisions in a bit but let's talk about the performance Mark we'll, st- we'll start with you um, first of all what, what did you make of the performance from Everton yesterday um, I, I don't think we played that well I thought there was a lot of silly errors silly giving the ball away um, but we created enough chances to at least get a point again didn't we it, it reminded me of Arsenal a little bit it was a, there was a bad decision we've ultimately lost the game but I've come away feeling if we put them chances away there was, there was three or four goals there yesterday without actually playing that well Um so it was a bit of a frustrating afternoon for me in that sense. Um, just in the fact that we've been crying for years, having to go to these places and have a go. We opened her up a bit, thought we were a little bit open, which is why United looked a bit better going forward, I think. Um, we made it sort of that way. But going forward, as I say, there were so many nearly things, final ball, final decision, ultimately the finishing, especially from Bernard and Coleman. That's cost us three or four goals yesterday and potentially a good win at Old Trafford. So the, it, for me, it was just a bit of a frustrating afternoon in that sense. Rob, do you agree? Or, you know, your just initial opening thoughts on, you know, the performance really yesterday and, you know, regardless of any interference from the referee, did we do enough to at least warrant a point, do you think? Yeah, definitely. I think we warranted the point. Um, I, it was a frustrating game in general, really. It was, I felt it was a game which lacked any kind of real quality on both sides. Um, it was just scrappy. Um and I think a bit more potency up front, we'd have put them, but we'd have put them chances away. Um, and, and not even potency, just a bit of composure. You know, Walcott had the chance to square off to um, I think Sigurdsson or Charleston in the first half, and Bernard obviously should have squared to um, is it Walcott mm, um, in the second half? When it, yeah, when he, when he, when we missed that chance. Um, but it was nice to see us go there and play without fear you know going 1-0 down yesterday that that, that, t- that team collapsed last year just feel like we've got a bit more about us now and we've said in the past this is going to take a bit of time to fix but you know to come away from Old Trafford feeling aggrieved or back to feeling aggrieved it's not coming away at some points you know it shows we're in the, going in the right direction Um, but you know a couple of errors our side and obviously a referee and this is much we'll talk about but generally frustrating but you know still on that positive uh, outlook on things Lee we'll come to you was was this not um, considering United's current predicament they're in a bit of a mess so to speak was it a, not an opportunity missed to take advantage of that because other teams have done over the past couple of uh, months since the season started yeah I think it was because leading up to the game I thought if this is this is the the best chance we're going to get of actually going to United and beating them, and I think I thought I was even though I, I, I did think we played okay. I think it was a missed opportunity because like like next next time playing next season, they might have a new manager, better players, and and also be close to the top of the league. Whereas they're in mid table now, struggling at the moment, and and they still be, they still beat us. So, that, so that, that was that was disappointing. Even though we did we, we did have a lot, uh, we did create a lot of chances, but uh, yeah, I do think it's a missed opportunity. Mark, the, some of the fans on Twitter following the game, it's, it's kind of going back to what's been said on this podcast um, a few weeks back. That you know, 
a win. We shouldn't get too carried away. A loss. We shouldn't get too carried away. So there's has been fans on Twitter who have been slightly annoyed. Obviously, we lost. It's disappointing. Um, do you think we we did go for it or we didn't go for it in the end? Like there's some fans saying we we didn't go all out for to get well, the win. It depends on what you define as a fan. As what's what's having a go. Let's let's go there and have a go. Yeah. So to me, that means you want to go um, and 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 create chances and try and win the game. And we created chances. Now, if, if Bernard scores and Coleman scores and Theo, you know, makes better decisions, it's a completely... I know it's all ifs and buts and we can say that, but but they, that's what takes us from where we are now to, to the next level, isn't it? You put them chances away and that's where and that's where we want to be. We've not created that. Even when we won 1-0 the other year, there, we never created chances like that. Schoolboy stuff at times, so, you know, and, and, and from players that you'd expect to have better composure, especially Bernard, he's took it around the goalie and... Legs got a bit like he'd done the hard work, hadn't he? He'd done the yeah, yeah, took yeah, it around him, yeah. he sold the gear and, and, and he's put it wide. And you're like, oh, you just can't miss chances like that at Old Trafford. Do you think he should have squared it or was he? No, he should have scored. I yeah, mean, I get what Rob's saying, it's a tap of a World Cup, but once you take it around the goalie, I played up for myself, I'd, ne- I'd never passed that, I just <laughs> slotted in. It's as simple as that. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm yeah, that's why I'm frustrated. We haven't gone there, um, like in many times at Man United and just rolled over, let them attack us, let them get the goals. and which is what normally happens there. 4-0 last season, wasn't it? And you're like... Uh, I mean, that's rolling over, isn't it? That? That, that's rolling over. Mm. Yesterday, if, if people are saying we never had a go yesterday, I don't know what they want. Do they want us to go there and dominate from start to finish and win 5 I, I don't know what people want, but we're, we're, we're in a transition season. Of course, I want to win every game, but I'm being realistic. And, and like I've said time and time again since the start of the season, we win or lose. Silver's trying different things. He still hasn't got all his players that he's going to want in. This isn't his final team. Um, and yeah, a little bit more composure, a little bit more ruthless uh, finishing, final decision making, final ball, um, and I, I think a, a top away wins just just round the corner, and that that will set that will set the the the, 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 um, the momentum going moving forward. So we we've got that monkey off our back, so to speak. So that's why I was frustrated. I wasn't frustrated because we went there and all those. I was frustrated because actually we should have got something and other chances that we missed. That's, that, that's how I saw it. Like Rob, our next couple of away games are going to be teams that consist of you know the top four. Just played United. <coughs> then we've got Chelsea, Liverpool, and City in the in December, and then even Spurs at home just before Christmas. So. We can't really be be sitting here, can we? Following those games and going, oh well, we were we were unlucky, or we had a bad refereeing decision. You know, we've we've got to start taking these chances, especially if we're going to do something in the league this season, haven't we? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's what'll set. It, it's probably what's going to set aside an average season to you know a pretty good one if we can come away from these games and say that we've we've come away with some results. Then you know it. it it's going to propel us up the table, especially just before Christmas. These, if we if we can keep our own game, our own games are, I say, relatively easy, but, you know, they're winnable, certainly winnable. We can win all of them and pull pull off a couple of results away from home as well. You know, you, you're looking, just keep in touch with that top six going into the new year. And that's all we've got to do. And it'll turn the season, it'll give us something to play for in the second half of the season. And, It'll go from if we lose all the games, it'll be a pretty bang average season. But if we win all the games, you know you're looking at, at finishing, you know top seven plus, which is which is what your could be a European place. So certainly, yeah. Lee, were you happy with Silver's subs yesterday? Would you have done anything different from what from what he uh, obviously, you know, he made it three attacking subs. There's no question about that. But would you have maybe taken someone else off rather than the the, the ones that came off? No, no, I was re- relatively happy. Really, I'd, I'd maybe have his last two, maybe done them sli- slightly earlier. But I was also I was pleased that he still did, did them when we scored. Other managers would have, would have then told him to sit back down and give another ten minutes. But he didn't. He, he still brought them on, and I was just I was just a bit disappointed at the last last ten fifteen minutes that we didn't go at them and have a, and have a real good go. We didn't really create that much. And then even at the very end, Pickford had come up for a corner and he made it another poor corner. He didn't like put it in, in the mix and then see if Pickford can get his head on it or, or even one of the other players. So, so no, I thought, I thought this it, it, subs are all right. What about you, Mark? Was the, were, the, were the right substitutions at the time? I mean, for me, just, you know, just to you know, get my opinion across that, I thought we'll come on to him, but Walcott probably should have come off first. I just thought he was having a shocking game. And 
he did come off eventually, didn't he? But he wasn't the first substitution, if I can remember rightly. So would you have done anything differently to what he did? I'd have potentially took... I mean, Walcott was the obvious one, but I'd have also potentially took Gay out at half-time because he was walking a tightrope, he'd been booked, committed another couple of fouls, including, obviously, uh, the foul for the penalty. Um, And... I thought it took his game away from him. He just didn't want to touch anyone. Size of the second half, he was he was literally not throw. He was he, he was just so ineffective, yeah. wasn't he? That's why I think he eventually took him off. Do you think? Do you think Silva was <coughs> trying to avoid doing a bit of a with that substitution, like for like, too early because he may he may have knew that he would have had to have thrown a bit of a, a winger slash forward on towards the end. So we always knew that mm-hmm. guy was going to be replaced at some points mm-hmm. for that reason that you've just mentioned. Yeah, it's a possibility. Um, it, it, they're, they're just the calls that you make as a manager, aren't they? You can either say at half-time, right, you're walking the tightrope, don't want to go down to 10 men, especially with John Moss, because can't stand him. And <laughs> I just don't thought, sit on the fence, Mark. Oh, what you feel. What a horrible man he is. <laughs> and I just thought it was right at that time to, to sort of take Gay off and maybe ask Sigurdsson to do a different job. I don't know. It was difficult. I think if McCarthy was fit and on the bench, he might have done that at half-time and said, right, you go in and slot in mm-hmm. and show us that aggressive approach. Maybe the lack of options sort of dictated that to him. Um, but Theo, yeah, just... What's going on? I, I was I was delighted when we signed him. I thought, yes, really good quality, pacey winger. I just think the last few weeks, I think it's just showed why Arsenal have got rid of him. Mm. Really gutted. Mm. I, honestly, I was so happy when we signed him. Just thought this is this is him. Um, lack it's miscontrol for the first goal. Let Martial down the the wing. Um, just couldn't be bothered tracking back to get back to Martial for the Lazy second that, scene. Wasn't yeah. It? yeah, seeing Coleman well, screaming at him again. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Walcott was kind of putting his hands out, going, "It's not my fault." Yeah, yeah. Well, it is. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then going forward, he's just making bad decisions all the time, the wrong decision. So the squaring it, he'll have a shot from a stupid angle. When you think go and score, he'll then pass, and you're like, "What?" So I don't know what's going on at the moment. I think it might be time to sort of take him out. I'm digressing from the subject, but <laughs> I think. Um, the, the substitutions were all right I agree with Lee maybe just a bit earlier uh, to give us a chance well, on, on Walcott then uh, Robert in, talk about individual performances um, when he first came we were like as Mark said we were delighted it's Theo Walcott what, what a player like that he has been for Arsenal obviously you don't see him week in week out but it, when he first came you'd always felt he could offer offer a bit more than what he was doing but now he doesn't seem to be even doing the basics we mentioned we t- we spoke about Walcott. I think after the first few games of the season on the podcast, and we well, we've questioned them in this we podcast men- before. Yeah, we mentioned mm-hmm. levels, and you know, Mark just hit the nail on the head there. This is why is this why Arsenal got rid of him? It's this inconsistency that I've always felt Theo Walcott's always had. You know, he, he sometimes he, he doesn't say he can't take a man on to save his life. It's gone, hasn't it? Yeah, it's just gone. yeah. You know. He, He's all right playing on the break, but you know you're not going to play every game on the counter. Are you? you know you're not going to do that. It's finishing. You know it's not it's not the best, and he's obviously a confidence player. But I think just drawing back on the substitution slightly there. I think the last two weeks Silver's made the same substitutions, pretty much like for like. I think Adam Oluwakman has played them twelve into the team on Saturday yeah, in Walcott's place now yeah, because. He's. He, there's always seems to be this frustrating player at Everton, no matter who, what team <laughs> it is. There always seems to be someone who you think, you know what, mate, you're on the cusp of being a really, really good player, but they always let you down. And, and Walcott's starting to like Kevin Morales. <clears throat> a, a bit, you know what? No, that's a, that's a great <laughs> example. A bit like Kevin Morales. He's got all the talent in the world, but it's it's one in five. You know, it's two and it's two and five. You know what I mean? It's that kind. Of, it's that kind of performance. And there's 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 a reason why Arsenal let him go. You know, and I just think Walcott the past two weeks certainly, maybe even three weeks, is pro- you know it's time for him to just take a step back at, at, for the time being and 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 let's have Luchman and give Luchman a go, try something different. The irony is at the moment for me is when Coleman came back and that, that game against Leicester last season we had Coleman and Walcott down the right we thought right we've got the right hand yeah. flank sorted we just need to sort the left now now we've got Lucas Dini at left back and either Richarlison up and hard on the left so we've sorted that and then that's gone to pot yeah. it's like yeah. oh, give us some break can't, can't wait, can't wait. <laughs> yeah, it's um, and Coleman's form I don't know if that's suffering because of Walcott in front of him or he's individually not back to where he used to be I don't know with him but 
that it's not working with them too now. Yeah, so. the, the thing about Walcott is, is he gets himself in some great positions. Like yeah. he had a chance yesterday where and he, and he shot straight at the hair. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you've got him behind there. You know what? Any, a, you know, top class winger would have known exactly what to do there and you talk on a goal. Decision making. You know, and then, and then the same thing happened against Palace. You know, he he gets set, he's clean through one goal and he, he has this he has this chance and it's like, you know what, mate? Just think it over the keeper. That's all you have to do. And he hits it straight at him. And it's like, it just, I just feel like there's always something missing from Walcott. And like I keep saying it, but this is why Arsenal got rid of him. If, I, if he was still worth anything to them, he'd still be there. Yeah. He's not going to come and play for us. Well, Lee, you, you're obviously saying you, you'd agree with that. Is it, you know, throughout Walcott's career at Arsenal, he's always had a bit of a complaint that he was never, you know, a number nine striker. Is this proving why that he's not? You know, being the number nine striker because effectively he needs two, three, sometimes four chances just to score one goal. And so it's proved over the past couple of games where he's been fed in for the ball. Some great, you know, passages are playing to him and he's just hit it right at the keeper. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But, but, but even yesterday when I was watching him and Coleman's getting the ball, he wasn't going down the line. He's, he's coming in, he's coming inside and he's, he's behind two United defenders. He's not getting into space and looking for the ball. And, and I, I, I just think, yeah, he is so frustrating. And I had the exact same conversation. What Rob says coming away from the match yesterday, saying if he was any good, he'd still be at Arsenal now. And and I'm, I'm just just hoping that, that that it is like a dip in form, and then maybe just bring bring Luckman in. Walcott might think, oh well, I'm not first choice here, and then I have to work hard, and then, and then he gets back in the team, and then his form picks up again. Maybe it's just just a, a dip in form, and maybe. He he will like like chip chipping with a few goals. I mean, I the, go on. I don't like I don't like this attitude either as well. That that Walcott seems to have. Like what we saw it yesterday, where um, Coleman and Pickford are having a pop at him, and he's looking mm-hmm. looking around and saying, yeah. "What what me? I don't like that. What me? At the end of the day, you're on a football pitch. If you see someone on mark and the ball's going to him, you go to the ball. Mm. Doesn't matter, you know. It doesn't matter who you are. Just it's, you try and defend. You defend mm-hmm. as a team." And if you've seen someone unmarked, don't just stand there. And it was really, really frustrating that yesterday watching that watching that goal back. And it it's both goals, both goals. Yeah, both you goals. know, it, it 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 was just lazy play, wasn't yeah. it? From him. And as as you know, we all hate with a passion, Graham Souness, but he got him spot on after yeah. the game. And he said, "At what point you give up on a twenty nine year old?" when you still got to tell him he's got a track back, you've yeah. still got to tell him that's your man. And you, uh, and you know, he's done that all his life. And I think this little passage of games mirrors his whole career. Do you yeah. know what I mean? He'll get a goal, and then he'll be rubbish. Then he'll get a goal, yeah. and you think, oh, here yeah. we go, and then he'll be rubbish. And it's, not a cold. it's not good enough. And, what, and, and, and as well, even be, even I think a couple of days before the game, he was he was talking to... Yeah, talking a good game. So, so, talking a good game. It's like, you know what I mean? You've got to follow these up, these, these, mm-hmm. you know, these words up with actions. And... There's no time for sentiment or sympathy in football anymore, especially in the seventh team. We're ruthless, you know what I mean? Tom Davis has one bad game and he wants, you know, people want him shipped out on loans to, to Accrington Stanley, you know what I mean? It's that, it's that bad and it's not going to be long before people are going to really, really start getting on Walcott's back. Well, that's the thing, is that Because, you know, if he was working hard, at least, and tracking back and doing, like, say, the basics and but he was missing his chances, then you could maybe say, well, at least he's doing that. Mm. But, you know, don't want to be too harsh on him, but he's not doing any of that, is no. he? No, you look not. at the first goal, he's out of, he's miscontrolled, then Coleman's out of position, and then and then Martial's one-on-one against Gay in the right-back position. Um, obviously, we'll talk about the penalty, but that, that, that whole right-hand flank has caused that situation to develop, and he just targets that right-hand side time and time again in the first half. Um, start of the second half, they've done it again, got the second goal, and then obviously it's just it's just give us a mountain to climb, really. Um, but you just if you look at the replay, Coleman screaming at him, and Walcott's going like holding his hands up, say me, what, what do you mean me? And that's what Sunes is alluding to. I think at what point do you say to a twenty nine year old professional footballer, that's your man? What you, you you should we shouldn't even have to tell you that's your man coming coming, and it's um, it's a bit embarrassing really to actually have a feels a bit wrong to agree with Tunis as well, doesn't it? What's that? <laughs> feels a bit yeah, wrong to agree with Tunis. He was right, and he, he was. He yeah, agreed with the penalty decision that it wasn't a penalty either. So yeah. you know, he must have been must have been taking some pills or something. Must, must, must have been lucid for the day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about Seamus Coleman then, because kind of you know connects both of them, doesn't it? Walcott and Coleman, you know. Yeah. Walcott's obviously struggling at the moment, and so Seamus Coleman. So, Rob, what's what's going on with Seamus Coleman at the moment? Can you put it? I'll be honest, I can't 
put my finger on why he's not playing well. I really can't. So can you tell me? Uh, I think... Is it is it because of Walcott? Is it because of no no protection on the right hand side? Maybe 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 he he feels he's not getting the protection from Walcott, so he can't play his usual game. So he he's he's struggling to express himself. Maybe, but what what really infuriates me about Coleman is is it's been like this for a couple of seasons now, and I love Coleman. He's been one of my favourite Everton players of you know the past 10, 15 years, but. It's his delivery into the box. It's flo- you know you can you, you can read them like a book. You know what I mean. And and it's too easy for defenders to defend against a, a Seamus Coleman um, attack. You know, uh, personally, I think John Joe Kenny did enough to remain in the team after he come back after the Leicester game. Don't think he should have been dropped. I thought that was unfair. Coleman, uh, John Joe Kenny's delivery into the box has been substantially better. Um. Coleman quickly, quickly needs to find his form again, however he finds it, because this is a new Everton now. And there's no room for, you know, people who don't who sentiment. can't be sentiments and people who can't be there. And if he's not performing, Brands and Silver are gonna get someone into the place and there's no if or but about it. Is he effectively at this moment in time not our best right back though? So that's why he came into the team straight from, you know, replacing Kenny. Uh, yeah, he is, you know, you'd say yeah, you could say that, but you, you know you should be in the team based on merit at times, and I think that situation it was about merit. I thought Kenny did really well the three, the two, three games that he played in, and you know was Coleman not hundred percent fit? Is that the reason? You know we don't we don't really know, but yeah, he's just been a bit just like Walcott. He's just been a little bit frustrating this past few weeks, and it's getting it's starting to wear a bit thin. I think and especially when you've got a left side now, which is playing so well to to have the right side completely handicapped. But against um, Palace, until Bernardo and off, Everton went down that left-hand side. No one touched Walcott, no one touched um, Coleman, no one bothered with them. Everton, and I think that speaks volumes when everything, when you centralise and you attack down one. Down one. We weren't using both. And the, the pair of them need to find form quick. Are we, are we being too harsh on Coleman at the moment? You know, he he has been injured, hasn't he? And he's you know, yeah, maybe not, maybe not being fit. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, yeah. I, I was, I was, I was trying to defend defend him a little bit yesterday, and saying he hasn't just come back from a couple of injuries, and because a lot of people on Twitter are saying he's finished, he's finished, get rid of, get rid. And so I, so I was um, like, trying to defend him. I, I do agree agree with a bit what, what Rob said. That he just needs needs to find his form quickly. Um, but 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 I think but I'm I'm just I'm just, just hope, hoping that, that he will be able to be able to. He's he's still only only young, and I think he does he does need to to improve his crossing. And I think we, we have got the manager manager now, and um, who, who will who will say to him, you need to improve on this, improve on this. And and I but we do also need to be careful as well because United targeted it yesterday with Pogba kept coming over. We don't want teams to to start targeting our right side because because every week then because Manchester was looked at looked at yesterday and thinking oh we we can tell the right right sides. So if Coleman Coleman can get his form back in in, in the next couple of games or or maybe he just needs to just play a couple of games and then. And then have a rest and a couple of games. Maybe it is hard to come to play a lot of games because he was out for a long time with with his injury last season. Well, in terms of the right side, then you know we've got players who can come in and replace those two. So is it just as simple as as doing that, replacing Coleman with Kenny if he's not playing well, replacing Walcott with Luckman? Because it's 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 difficult to say that there's been any evidence that Luckman even tracks back when he's when he's playing. But, I think in what in in some respects, if that's how we're looking at it, like I said, you need it. You should be on the team on merit, and and I think as well to go with it this season. Silver's kind of got not a free pass as such, but he's got room to experiment. So try different things. Yeah. If it's not working, if if Coleman's out of form and it's just not coming back, play Kenny. Give give the lad a run, you know, and try Luckman. Look, to be fair, you're saying there Luckman hasn't shown any evidence of being able to track back. He's barely played. But the games he has played in, he's played quite well in. You know what I mean? He's he's made things happen. He's and and it's all about finding the partnerships down them side down them flanks. 
you know, look how Baines and Pienaar used to operate. You know, they, they were always covering each other, but forward and back. You know, you never know. Kenny and Luckman might be able to find something similar. Not saying it'd be anywhere near as good, but you know, you've got to give, you've got to give things a go and, and not persist with players out of form because it just doesn't do them any favors. You know, you, you look what's happened to some Everton players in the past who've who've stunk the gaff out for week week in week out, we, and they get absolutely crucified. Look at Morgan Schneider last year. You know what I mean? He was mm. he was he persisted and persisted and persisted, and look what happened. It took you know a new manager and a you know a couple of good before you know really desperate good performances from him to try and get back in the good books. You know what I mean? And, and I think the thing with Coleman and Walcott is the same thing could happen to them soon if they don't find form quick. Is experimentation there, Mark? Then the way to go, or you know, do we not need Silver to to find his best team? I know so in the modern day world of football, you know, you've got your squad, you use it obviously, but is experimentation something that you would? Well, look it's, at? it's a transition season. They've said that from day one. I mean, you look at the team that lines up for the first couple of games to now, only ten games later, and it's already a lot different to what started. I mean, we started with Holgate, Schneiderlin, Lewin on the left, Tosin up front. Kenny Davis was playing, and now it's now the not. Um, so of course he's going to have to try different things. I think the I think he will drop Walcott at the weekend, and he's got two choices. He can either play Richarlison back out on the wing, maybe him and Bernard can mix and match and swap over or whatever. They cover the flanks between them, and then give Lewin or Tosin a recall up front, or he can just go like for like and bring Luckman in and give him a go. Um, but. If Luckman does come in and get a go, he can't just get an hour and he's got to produce in that hour or you dropped again. He's got to say to Luckman, we're giving you five or six games now to bed yourself in, work yourself in, I want you to play your Nats a game, that sort of thing. Um, because it's just too much pressure on someone to come in and have to deliver first game. And mm. if not, you know, everyone's all, you're, you're out the side again and stuff like that. So, well, if, just sorry, but that's what I said exactly in the, in the past couple of podcasts about substitutes who come on mm-hmm. with 10, 15 minutes mm-hmm. to go. And, needing to make mm-hmm. an impact it's so hard yeah, to do that is, yeah. you know he had a chance against Southampton didn't he and yeah. Luchman in the league mm-hmm. cup and then got and he was probably one of the better players mm-hmm. if my memory serves me right so for him to come on and to get the assist in the um, the Crystal Palace game mm-hmm. shows he's, he's made an impact but it's it's so hard isn't it for any type of player whether whatever level you're at to mm-hmm. have that impact with 10-15 minutes to go yeah and all he can do is, is 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 try and do something and look to stand out and look to look to show that he's back in the groove and Luckman's we've never sat around a table and questioned Luckman's ability have we we've, we've sat down and talked about his attitude and his desire to want to actually play that looks like it's sorted now to me he's coming on he wants to be there he's getting on the ball and he actually looks quite classy on the ball and he's got it he's, he's got a good drop of the shoulder he's got good feet he can drop he can go left he can go right and I think we need to see a bit more of that now I um, think he's ready to, to have a little go. Whether Silver goes or that, I don't know. All, all I think at the moment is that Walcott does not deserve to keep his place now. And you've got a couple of options. Will he put Richarlison out wide again? Will he give Luckman a go? I don't know. But you've got to, he's got to give that a, a little chance again now, hasn't he? Um, so, and with regards to Coleman, my point of view is he's 30 now. And old Lee said he's young. I think 30 he's getting on, especially after a bad mm. leg break, he's actually getting on the sort of for a fullback for a fullback what I noticed last couple of games is he started to do what Baines was doing and that's when the ball's coming into him Coleman used to get get out of his feet straight away and start moving down the right he stops now and he's like that he was showing for feet all the time someone comes to feet come, someone comes to feet and if no one was there he passed back straight away again um, we can talk about Walcott with that and stuff but he used to sort of bomb on it was 10, 15 yards in front of him. He'd use that space and then go from there. He doesn't now. So I don't know if that's him. I don't know if that's form. I don't know if that's um, a lack of confidence because of the injuries. Mm. Um, he's had a broken foot. He's had a broken leg. Yeah. He's dirty. I don't know. I, no. I, I think he hit the nail on the head there. Um, Ian, it was about, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know what's what's up. But I just look at him and just think, you know, you're not you're not doing amazing and when you're playing and you're not, I mean, you make a few mistakes, but you're not you're not doing anything too too wrong or too bad. Still does good things. That's what I mean. So well and, you know, but yeah, it's it's the quality on the ball. You said about the crossing. It, it, yeah, it, 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 it's like little 
Philip Neville uh, chip yeah. crosses, isn't you can it? Read, you yeah. can read it. And if you're the defender or a goalkeeper, yeah. you know exactly where it's going. Mm-hmm. And when he's through one-on-one on the goal, you, you, you drill your foot right through mm-hmm. it and get power on it against side foot. So you just automatically sort of get it underneath yeah. it. And he, uh, and it's going over. It's, it's the technique side of it, but he's always done that, hasn't mm-hmm. he? Um, when you look at Lucas Dean's cross where he's whipped it in and John O'Kenny mm-hmm. was doing the same thing, you're losing that a little bit. So I don't know. Coleman's going to be a, a season of... Um, we're going to have to see how he gets on all season, I think. I think he'll play him. Um, but it's a difficult one, and I don't know if we'll be looking for a new right-back soon. Maybe it's... I'm not saying this is like even the right thing, or it's a good thing, but the fact that he's reached a certain level, and which was a very good level, by the way. You know, he's, he's done well and been consistent, obviously, at that horrific injury, but then he hasn't gone on to the next level, which mm. maybe we expected. Same with a couple of players in that team. Walcott, Schneidlin just to name a few I don't know I don't know but like I said I can't put my finger on why he's why he's doing so not bad we, we but. need to keep him away from Ireland be Wales internationals for the start mm. and keep him fit and then and then we'll go from there I, I, I keep my fingers crossed that he can get his form back and we're all sitting here in a couple of months thinking yes we've got our Seamus Coleman back but at the moment um, I'll be honest I'm, I'm quite worried alright well I We'll move on from that uh, that little segment there, and we'll. I don't want to talk too much about this bit, even though I know everyone around this table Bob's ready. is uh, <laughs> is ready to give He's a good. Gun- in his notes. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. Uh, ready to give a good guns anyway, uh, Rob. At the end of the day on Sunday, we were playing well. I thought, and a decision from John Moss, good old John Moss. John Moss, mate. As um, well, well, guy wins the ball, doesn't he? Clearly, and for me, Marshall dives. I- I think what really annoyed me about the whole thing was, was that if Martial goes down naturally there, which in a sense, I think he can do looking at replays, he can go down, you know, but he doesn't, he jumps up and like, it's, it's unnatural, it's, isn't it? Graham Sooner said that. You know, and I'm sorry, but a referee needs to have a longer look at that. And he, he got it wrong. And it's not the first time he's done us this season, John Moss. And, referees are just I don't think there's a competent referee within this league who anyone on this table can name and say you know mm. what they're a decent referee and I've not been an advocate of it right for God since the World Cup but it is time that VAR comes into the Premier League now you know I can count on would VAR have changed that decision? It should have done. It should have, it should have done. But the problem is, you've still got you've still got these you've still got referees. They're just given time to make a decision, and I, and this is the thing: I don't trust any of them. But did you see Dermot Gallagher? He, he still gave yeah, yeah. the penalty. He still gave the penalty. VAR. So you know, <laughs> you can have all the technology in the world, but if you've got idiots using it, exactly, you know, and, and the, these are idiots. John Moss is an idiot. I hope he listens to this. Yeah, I hope he listens to it. John Moss is he on is Twitter? Yeah. yeah, he's on Twitter. We'll tag him in it. And what? And what? <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, but even Gary Neville said that he thought it was a penalty no. at the time. I don't know if he's changed his mind. He did. He did change his mind later on. Yeah, he finally relented that. You know, but. You know, but but that decision throws the game on throws the game on its head. Then and let's let let's not forget forget here. This wasn't the only the other decision he got wrong. He should have sent Chris Smalling off. Mm. He was booked, wasn't he? He was already booked, that, so that was definitely a, a booking. And it was a set. It was definitely a booking. And you know, sometimes you 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 you're playing against twelve men, and I'm sorry, but you are. I don't. It and it's really really. It's tough when a, when a referee. Is that inept? I mean, with the small thing, a phrase that I would say he's probably lost his bottle there. Yeah, for me, yeah. you know, Strafford end. You know, he's not going to, you know, send the United player off when they're already. I think he's just, just bad at referee. He just, he just, he's given the penalty. He just yeah. forgot. He's and just like, don't forget though, this, a different planet. This is the referee right in the Arsenal game who um, gave the Aubameyang goal. Right, he's the referee a couple of seasons ago. When um, I can't remember which Everton player it was, but Yaya Torre effectively ninja kicks one of our players in the back at Man City, right? And there's a famous gif of Martinez going, "What? What was that?" Yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> I remember not, absolutely nothing given. But time and time again, week after week, mistake after mistake, 
these referees are costing teams points and something genuinely, genuinely needs to change. Whether it be a complete overhaul of referees, which I probably wouldn't be against, because like I said, there's not one single referee that any of you here can name who would have who you'd say, you know what, he's decent Tim. Yeah. Not not a single one. Or we bring in VAR and but we start the, and we start experimenting with it. The concern and I, is though that I, I was gonna bring VAR onto it because I know you haven't been an advocate for it, but now you're saying, yeah. But like Mark said, if you've got idiots using yeah. it, yeah. then if Dave McGallagher, is, is he just a sky? He's just a panellist. He's just a panellist now, he's not part of the... So, okay, fair enough, but he's, he's refereed for years and he's still saying it was a penalty. Can you imagine if that was did go to VAR? This is me. This is this has always been my problem with VAR. This is all you know that that penalty. And I always remember at the World Cup and um, it was France Australia, wasn't it? And uh, it, he clearly wins the ball, but he still gives the penalty. Mm. So VAR VAR is wrong. Yeah. VAR, you know it it is still wrong, and and it it is meant to be a way of getting things a hundred percent right. And so the, the, like I said, there's your two options: you either overhaul the referees or you bring in VAR and if VAR is going to give us more of a chance of getting these decisions go our way, great. But what really irks me out the whole lot of this is, is these referees aren't accountable no. for mistakes. They just get to give it, they just go and get referee another game. Going, yeah, another game. If we, if, if, if we, any of us here do, do our job wrong, we're reprimanded for it. Why aren't they? Why aren't they allowed? Why aren't they to come out? Or at least tell you what, at least have a meeting with the two managers where they're asked questions, where they're asked a series of questions and explain decisions publicly. Mm. And I think you'd see a stronger set of referees then because they know they've got to get things right. They know they've got to get things right. They can have a word that manages it in the dressing room, but it's away from the camera. Well, footballers are made accountable for things for you know for when they've been sent off. You know, for Charles not to come up and apologise for when he got when for when he mm. when he tapped um was it Daniels at Bournemouth? You know what I mean? They're not held accountable. And then another thing, Martial obviously clearly dived yesterday and only two players, right, have been done for pro, uh, um, after the game for diving, Umanias and Lanzini at West Ham, right? Deli Ali never got touched and he was he was prone to it last year. He did quite a few dives last year. Zaha spends more time on the floor than anyone else and Martial was told, obviously, today that, you know, no further action. What's the point? Did Mane get done for diving? That time was it Fulham or last season? Don't think so. I'm sure he, he dived. It's only been two bands, hasn't it? Well, there you go. You know what I mean. Yeah. And and for me, there's just a, a complete grey area at the minute within refereeing and football, and something's not right because it. And but no one's scared. No one. No one's willing enough to to say anything. To me, me personally, if I was Marco Silva, I'd be saying to I'd be saying to the hierarchy of our club. He's not to referee a single game of Goodison again. I don't feel he's competent enough to do it. They won't touch it. They won't. Mark Lattenberg didn't referee Goodison for ten years after he after he sent um, Stephen um, Tony a bit off. It's a wee game, you know, though, isn't it? Arsenal you, away and United away. He probably I bet, you, I bet you we get him for Chelsea away. Do you know what I mean? And, and it, it, there's, <laughs> Put there's, your money on it. <laughs> there's, there's a genuine, genuine problem with refereeing in this country. There really, really is. The rubbish. And and, and I and I, I I keep saying it, but name me someone who's decent. And I'll guarantee you, I can ask every fan in the country, and they'll all say, and they'll all say, no one. I can't, <laughs> can't name you anyone. Lee, from where you were sat, then did you literally, you know, fear the worst when, uh, you know, the challenge of the on the ball went in? Did you think before he even pointed to, do you think this is going to be given as a penalty here? No, because because I, I I seen him seen him win the ball and I seen him him, him, him throw his arms in the air and dive. And so I so I went ballistic when he gives a penalty, but I I just I I just just don't don't know how we're gonna we're gonna make it any better because 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 referees are so scrutinised now, you're not you're not getting people coming forward and going oh ex players going oh I'll, I'll be a referee and then I don't want them to bring VAR because I don't want them to like did the World Cup experiment with it because because it made a lot of games fast because the World Cup so. It's got to be. If they bring it into the Premier League, it's got to be right. It's got, got to be one hundred percent right. And having people watching and going, right, yeah, okay, we we know we know that. And because I, I, and like in rugby, when it, when they go to the video screen, 
you can actually see in the, in the ground, you can actually watch the replay. In football, when you used it for the, against Southampton, we're all, we're all stood in the crowd going, what's he looking at? What, what's going on here? And So you, you just stood around. Why don't they show on the, on the screen and, 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 and let, let's have a look see, see what, he's, what he's looking they've at? Got to, they've got to make the decision within a minute, haven't they, of, 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 uh, of, the, of the check being made. You know, I think that something can happen. Someone in the screen says, I'm going to, you need to check. And then they'll stop the game, and they, you know they do the little TV sign. You know that's all he can do properly, and then they go and check it. And it worked in the Liga last night, the El Clasico. Did it? Um, Barca got given a penalty, which was right, which um, wasn't given at first, but it was pulled back, and they were given a penalty, mm-hmm. and it was right, and it was rightly given. You are right; it does need to be mm-hmm. spot on before, but you aren't going to get it spot on without testing. Oh no, they, they can they can maybe test it in. I don't know. But well, they have been, haven't they? In the, yeah, yeah, the, the League Cup and the FA League Cup and, and test a bit more. But to test in high-profile games, because imagine if you, uh, they had it in, 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 imagine in the derby and then they did the club tie and they got fast call and then, and then we lost 2-0 because of it. And then all the crap would go mad or even if you're around, heaven forbid, it, it gives something against them. And because in the, in the World Cup as well, when the, the ref was going on watching the screen, it, it was like three or four minutes. Sometimes you, you sit around thinking, what's going on here? I mean, Mark, you can't really can complain, can you, about decisions um, like that if you're not willing to give VAR a chance? No, I, I think, and I've said it for a while, I think we should follow cricket's lead. And, and I think what should happen is each team should get a couple of reviews at the start of the game. So say yesterday, Gaze Adamant, he's touched the balls, I want you to go upstairs mm. see that. And the decision is taken then out of John Moss's hands. A, a third referee or third umpire, whatever, gets to see that and makes the decision. Because John Moss being, and all the referees are going to be like, they're going to be stubborn. They're going to be saying, no, no, I've got it right, mm. I've got it right. Mm. And unless it's absolutely clear cut, they're just going to go, no, no, that's a pen. Mm. Same with what Dermot Gallagher said. Take it out of his hands. Give it to a third referee, a third umpire who's sitting there, can watch it clear on the screen, away from the game, in a studio, somewhere out the way, analyse and say, John, got that wrong, actually, mate, you need to overturn your decision. If you do that, that, that's got to be a better system than what's going on, where a referee goes over to the sideline, pressure from the fans around them, got to make another decision like that. It's not <laughs> well, going to work. You saw it at the World Cup, I, I can't remember exactly what game it was, but a referee went over to the monitors yeah. and he was there, it was long, he was yeah. there for longer than a minute, yeah. it must have been two. Yeah. He walked away yeah. and then walked back. back. Yeah. I was like, well, you, look, you yeah. must be under, yeah. you must be under so much pressure to yeah, get yeah. this decision right. You know, put like you just said, put someone in a room yeah, yeah. who is literally yeah, like calm, mm-hmm. confident. They look on all the things. Mm-hmm. He's literally got thousands of people mm-hmm. watching him, and his art is his all art must be going mm-hmm. like that. Do you know what I mean? I'll be dead honest. You know, when the penalty was given, I watched it at home yesterday because of family reasons, and I was like, when he gave the penalty, I thought penalty. From so on the angle, the ball's gone past gay, but we've later found out that's because of a ricochet of it's unfortunate that ricochet, yeah. is there. That <laughs> ricochet changes it the does, whole concept because of it John yeah. Moss has just seen that go past gay and he's seen the outstretched leg and he's thought penalty. That's it, mm. that's all he's seen. It's only in benefit of hindsight now and slow play, slow motion replays. You can see gay touch the ball, it hit Martial's leg. I think there was a bit of contact, he's just gone over theatrically, hasn't he? I don't think he's dived over. I think that if you look it's an unnatural. It, He's, yeah, he's just made the most of it. He's, he's, he's felt the contact on Gay and then gone down like a, an Olympic diver, but he's actually, there was a tiny bit of contact. But So in hindsight, I don't think it's an actual dive, but, in, but it's also not a pen. The correct decision there is just a goal kick. It's come off Martial, it's gone out for a goal kick. Play on, do you know what I mean? And I think a, 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 a third referee away from the ground, sitting with no pressure in terms of being influenced by anyone or players or anyone coming up to them can make a proper decision and, and get that right. Um, that's that's the only way I can see that would happen. You know what he's, Mark's saying there as well, like, like the way cricket do it, ice hockey does the same. And basically you're allowed, I think, four or five. Well, tennis do it as well, isn't mm-hmm. it? Tennis, tennis do it, yeah, you're allowed to. Yeah. And basically if you, if you waste one of your, what, what, let's call them a challenge, if you mm-hmm. like, you lose it, you know, but... I think you I, get more honesty out of players then as well, won't you? Because yeah. you'll know if you foul them and, and you'll, you'll say to your captain, you know what? That's just the name. I'm yeah. sorry, it's a pen. Hmm. Whereas if you're Adam and look, I've got the ball, go upstairs and see that. And you'll get more honest decisions then, I think. And you know what? In the FA Cup final this, uh, last year with um, Chelsea um, United, um, it was a hazard penalty, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, that, won, that won the game. There was a clip on YouTube after the game and it was Michael Oliver, I think, who ref the game. And he had an earpiece in. And he was running. But obviously, he can't keep up with Eden Hazard. 
or whoever whoever it was who, who won the penalty. And in the ref in the in his ear, he's got um people in the stand going, uh he's took him down, he's took him down, he's took him down, it's a pen, it's a pen, it's a pen. So I'll make that decision for him. Yeah. So I'll make that decision for him. And it's exactly what Mark's saying there. No pressure, no crowd like interaction. Shut the door, darken room. That's all you're listening to. You're literally just watching mm-hmm. the match with, with 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 complete unbiased. That could be the way forward. Sounds saucy that dark and room, Terry. But I just think it's it's common sense, isn't it? It's like pe- players are surrounding the referees and influencing them. So before they've even gone to watch the screen at the side of the pitch, they've got a preconceived idea. Or if you're at Old Trafford with seventy five thousand fans screaming at you, mm-hmm. that's not a pen or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's human reactions obviously going to be oh I'm not changing my mind here or I'll give it to the home side or whatever just give it to someone else and then at least the ref can say to the players look that that's not me I'm just being told mm. they've just watched it and, and, and you can make you can make that decision with the monitors yeah, can't yeah. you and no no pressure no pressure to players yeah. um, alright well there's no there's no easy answer to it and I don't know whether there is ever going to be an answer to it but I think we've come up with some decent ideas there so and, maybe. Get, and get rid of John Moss <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, get rid of John Moss. <laughs> All right, well, we'll move on to uh, the recent announcement then from Everton Football Club of the the stadium and that uh, this wide public, uh, wide scale public consultation um, prior to uh, the the new stadium for planning planning application to go in. The view from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The view from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Uh, Mark. I'll go with you first. Uh, just your initial thoughts when that news broke on the, you know, the public consultation that's gonna that's gonna begin within you know two or three weeks. Yeah, it it it's good news. Um, I echo um, Joe Anderson's comments. Really, what he was talking to Greg and, and Tony about in his yeah. podcast, which was it's obviously good news and it's obviously a step in the right direction, but. Why has it took 12 months to mm-hmm. do a public consultation? Yeah. We could have done the public consultation now and sort of be ready to say, right, we know what the, you know, we bought that land last November, so it's been there for a year. We know what we want to do with it. It's not like a big shock now going, right, everybody, come and sit in the cabin for five minutes and tell mm-hmm. me what you think. Everton want to build a stadium on it. Oh, you're joking, Hardy. Right, okay, yeah, that'd be a great idea. That could have been done 12 months ago. So it's just, it. that's just the only little bit of frustrating thing for me. When when I heard my views on that, you get a couple of fans saying, "Oh, stop moaning about blah, blah, blah. it." There's no rush and stuff like that. There is there is a rush, and the reason why there's a rush is because the predictions are that we'll be making an extra 25, 30 million a season when we move into that stadium. So each season that goes past and the delay goes on another year, we're losing twenty five to thirty million pound a year. So tell me why there's no rush. <laughs> so, not to mention the cost of uh, material rising and stuff. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? So. No explanations being given. I've, I've asked and I've asked and I've asked. And I've asked and I've asked, why couldn't they have done that public consultation? And we all know what we've bought the land for. They could have done that then and said, right, this is what the plans are. We want to regenerate the area. We're going to build a fantastic stadium. This is the transport links, blah, blah, blah. They knew that 12 months ago. I just want to know what's happened in the meantime. On the overall basis, it's it's, it's good news. We are going in the right, right, right direction. And hopefully this time next year, we're in a position to have submitted that uh, planning application. Um, I don't know if it's the new regime that have come in with Colin Chong and, and, and um, Keith Harris overseeing things and have come in and thought, what's Robert Elstone being up to here? Because you know my thoughts on Robert Elstone. So who knows? But there's, there's no real answers being given as to why now we're just doing the public consultation. So without, I don't, don't mean to put it down on it because it's there, but I just feel we've just lost 12 months there, to be honest with you. Rob, just share that. You know, obviously slight optimism, but, you know, a bit of a concern that 12 months have, have passed us by. I think my personal opinion on it is the reason why this 12 months has gone by with little or nothing happening is I think, like you just said there, Colin Chong's come in and I think he's just ripped up the whole... The whole That's pro- all I can the say. Whole, the, whole, the whole project. Mm. You know, Robert Elstone, we all know what he was like mm. and he was he was not fit for purpose in his role. And, you know, what what what's key for Everton in this... And we've seen it with Liverpool. We've seen it with Tottenham. We've got to get this right first time. No messing around. So if delays do need to happen, fine. You know, but make sure that we do it right. Let's not have protests. Let's not have, you know, um, have a stadium which isn't ready for um, 
for the season we say you know for, for when it's going to be let's make sure all the planning is perfect and i think these new guys have come in and they said right okay we might need to do things a little bit differently here you know we, we've got to bring in look what spares did rpr for us you know we need to learn from that this past this past three or four months what spares have had to go through you know what i mean it's it's it, it, they look they look a joke at the minute with their ground let's learn from that and make sure we're doing it right and i think that's what it is i think it's a case of hang on a minute we've not done all we should have done prior to this it is unfortunate that there is a delay i understand where mark's coming from in the sense of you know it's potentially lost revenue because i think it is it a year now it's been pushed back effectively plan an application as anyway. you know in mm -hmm. terms of like the, the opening date mm -hmm. as well yeah you know it isn't great it isn't great but I just think what's key is it's got to be right. And we've had three failed stadium moves, Kirby, King's Dock, and um, that Sainsbury's one in Walton Hall Park, which never even got off the ground. This club can't afford a four-failed stadium. Well, Lee, you know, Rob's just basically asked me a question for me there. You know, the three pre previous to that, they've obviously been massive failures. How optimistic now are you that Everton are going to move to Brownlee Moor within... You know, five five years or so. I am I am more optimistic now because I think we we've got the the right people on board. And in the past, we hadn't to, uh, with Elston and a lot of other cronies. We have got the right people on board now, and I think ever ever now learning from their mistakes. And it it, it is it is frustrating. I I, I agree with, with, what, with what Mark said, but also a bit like what what Rob said. Um, it, they, they are like, like trying to get rights and, and for us as fans we don't know what goes on behind the scenes and, and a lot of time us as fans we think oh nothing's happened for 12 months we just think it's a project that's, that's in, the, in the cupboard and then you bring it back out but maybe there has been uh, more talks and delays because also as regards to funding it now looks like it's going to be private, private funding uh, so Evan could have quite easily gone to Liverpool Council and said yeah we'll take this money so may, maybe Another reason for the delay, delay is um, they, they could be having talks with with other investors, someone like Usmanov coming on board, and maybe maybe I'm just being totally over optimistic and saying this this delay might actually work out well for us and and, and be better for us. I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of planning permission or all that. You know, I'm not no, no knowledge of it whatsoever, but maybe. From what we've gathered and from what Joe Anderson said, we ain't going with the council option anymore, are we? It no, is going to be no. it is going to be a privately funded. I stadium. think he said he he hadn't heard, didn't he? Didn't he say? Because I think Greg had said to him, but you know, Everton going private, and only said, "Well, no one's told me that they're not taking us up on the offer." So I mean, I, I, I mean, to be, like. to be fair, I did. I mean, this was like a third party article. I did it. It was a um, it was a Times article where they said it was going to be privately funded. Mm -hmm. Whether it's true or not remains to be seen, but maybe. If it's we've decided to go privately funding and it's not with the council, maybe like that's another ladder then we've added to the rung of that we need to step on of the public consultation. Maybe if we would go with the council funding, you bypass that. Yeah, I don't know. So. I don't know that I don't know the ins and outs of planning permission yeah. and things like that, but it, that could be a reason for it. You know, the will we ever really know? Probably not. Um, but I think the steps Everton are taking at the minute is are the right steps and patience is needed with it mm -hmm. you know at the end of the day we've it, it's five years five years away right saying five years roughly it's a long time mm -hmm. five years you know well did it, mark did this this consultation need to happen i mean you know whatever i want to do things right you know mm -hmm. what i mean like they're obviously going through that process mm -hmm. did it did it really need to happen if they not just apparently it's started to see isn't it as mm -hmm. part of it especially because it's a wider regeneration mm -hmm. projects what what my point is is that I, I fully understand its complexities. Fully understand we're building on a world heritage site. I fully understand there's going to be delays in the building process and the planning process. What I'm saying is there was nothing stopping us doing a public consultation this time last year. That once we bought that land that was ours, we knew what we bought it for. We haven't bought it to build hmm. Disneyland or we bought it to buy our stadium. This is what we want to do with it. Them them plans haven't changed, so we could have done that already. That's all. That's what that, that was my point. I remember. I asked them questions, no one could answer. They just said, oh, stop moaning, stop moaning. Like, just mm. just ask us why we couldn't. That public consultation could be done now. We could be in a position to say, right, now we're in a position to... Go for planning go for application. Go for planning application and funding, yeah. So that, I, 
I'm just a fan. No one needs, to, uh, no one's responsible to answer questions to me. But it would have just been nice to say, look, this is why we didn't do it this yeah. time last yeah. year, and, and we move on. Do you know what I mean? The fact that we don't know what happens this time next year if the club can't say, right, we've done the planning consultation now, but actually we won't be able to submit the planning application till next year. Do we just all go, oh, all right, we've got to get this right. We've got to, do you know, yeah. how many times do we say we've just, with the delay, we've got to get it right. So I think I'm exactly the same position as I am with the football side of things at the moment. It's a cautious optimism. <laughs> right? And you're going to get started. Yeah, not to, and I'll keep saying it. We're building a side in a transition stage at the moment. And as much as I'd love Brandon Mordock to happen and pray that it'll happen, I will always be a little bit sceptical. Don't forget the man who overseen the three fail ground moves are still chairman. Mm. Keith Harris was once described as uh, delivering the square root of nothing by uh, Manchester United's owner. And, and it's like, so you're like, okay, well, let's just, let's just see what happened. I'm not going overboard, but at the same time, I'd absolutely love to see Everton yeah, moving to that stadium down the docks, you know what I mean? Just very quickly, then I'll ask all three you, Mark, what, what capacity does this ground need to be? Um, I would somewhere in the region of 55 to 60, isn't it? Somewhere around that. Um, I think... Any lower than that, and are you going to be... Yeah, I wouldn't like a, a 52 or something. I think you're just sort of defeating the object there, aren't you? Want, you, you, you want to be ambitious, but also realistic. I think a, a lot will depend on the state of affairs on the pitch at the time and stuff won't it um, but I'd, I'd, I'd love to see a 60,000 capacity I'd love to see and I'd love to be able to think that we could we could fill that week in week out uh, down the front and I think a stadium down the dock attracts other fans and weekend visitors and mm. you know to you know what their grounds full of really do you know what I mean, I mean but they, they might come over to should just buy iPads though on the ground yeah right? we'll <laughs> buy iPod docking stations and stuff but um, yeah I, I'd say 55 to 60 has got to be your ambition mm. Rob, I've seen people on Twitter, you know, spoke to people say the bigger the better. And when they're saying that, I'm assuming the meaning 60, 70, 80, is that I think, unrealistic? I think I think there's there's obviously like a level that we can't really go past. You know, I think an eighty thousand seater stadium would probably be a mm. little bit too big for us. Let's you know, mm. let's let's be realistic here. But I think if we want a stadium which is you know, it it's it's gotta be the best in the city. It's gotta attract people I think anything less than 60,000 would be really detrimental to, to the club you know let's let's not forget this stadium won't be used just for football mm -hmm. it's going to be used for massive concerts we want it to be used as massive concerts in the summer John Bon Jovi you know, no, you know, you know, know. they've got to go the dark side in the summer but you know you've got you've got to like set it up so you know you'd say if it's 60k, you'd probably say, what, five, six thousand of those seats are going to be corporate. What's the mm. revenue in them going to be? You know what I mean? You've got to be able to, and I just think 55, you know what I mean? Sunderland's got 55. You know what I mean? They're in League, two, they're in league One. You know what I mean? You know, it, let's, let's aim, let's aim high. Mm. You know, and, and, you know, I think Dan, Dan Mice is, you know, he, he's, he seems confident in what he's doing and I, I just hope, I, really, I opened within the consultation, actually, that the two talk about capacity. You know, whether whether it could be one of the questions, what you think is well, going to be the what you think is going to be the capacity. I'll move on to you, Lee, but I'll just say that this is this is my confusion with the public consultation in the fact that you're going to do a public consultation and provide this information without any designs. How, how does that how does that work? I don't, I don't know how the that questions, works. As far as I'm aware, the questions are that simple. Like, do you agree with this project? Do you think this will bring revenue to the city? And that's why I'm saying, why couldn't we have asked that last year? Mm. But no one's got a design to go off. No one knows what the actual plans yeah. are. They're dead basic questions from what I'm led to believe, which is why people have been kicking up a fuss saying, well, copites can just walk in then and go, well, I don't think it's good because, you know, my kid mm. won't be able to get to school on time, blah, blah, blah. So they can kick up a fuss. Um, the, if we had the designs and all that, then obviously... The, Evertonians give a far more detailed answer, couldn't they? But apparently, from what I'm led to believe, and I'm, again, I'm happy to be corrected, it's literally basic questions. Do you think this is a good thing for the city? Do you think this will bring money? Are you happy for the stadium to go there? That sort of thing. So, Lee, uh, just your thoughts on the, the size of the stadium, the capacity? I agree with what Rob said. It's, it's got to be 60,000. We've got to get the, this right. We can't, we can't go for uh, the cheap option and then... Because I, 
because this is for the next hundred hundred years or so, or if, if not longer. And we're, we're obviously hoping to that, that aim for to get in the top four and and then be winning the Premier League. So we we need this ground as big as possible. And then we we could have some five five thousand for corporates. But then also the other big thing is we've got to keep the prices like competitive. And because other clubs when they move to new grounds, um, I, I think I think I think Arsenal did, um, did didn't spend any money on players, but then made the prices high. If we made the prices high, um, we're not like other clubs who have tourists. A lot of our fans are local. They're not going to pay these big prices. They only come to our games, and we don't want to be half empty because it, it will look really poor on telly. Well, I think it's a debate at the moment that could roll on for uh, forever, isn't it? But we'll we'll, we'll finish there because we've uh, we've talked for an hour. Um, before we go, I just wanted to finish off the podcast and the show by just saying uh, look, uh, like to pay our respects following the uh, the tra- tragic events uh, that occurred in Leicester on Saturday. Our thoughts go out to everyone at Leicester City, and I'm sure my guest around the table uh, would do the same. Um, yeah, to my guest, then Mark, uh, Rob, and Lee. Uh, I appreciate you coming in. Um, Great discussion. And uh, thanks very much. Goodbye. See you later. You've been listening to the View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo.